Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. And today we're going to talk about what do we do when someone doesn't believe in mental health. We're going to start there and we're going to back out of that to talk about how do we handle disagreements in conversations. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome back. I want to talk about a couple things today. First of all, I want to talk about something I keep getting a lot of emails about. I keep getting a lot of emails about like, hey, what do I do? And usually there's an ex somewhere in this. My ex-husband doesn't believe, my ex-boyfriend uh, usually it's guys, um, it's the women writing in and it's the guys, but sometimes it's guys writing about their ex-wife or their ex-girlfriend, uh, doesn't believe in mental health. What, what, what do I do? Well, I don't know what state you live in, everybody who wrote in, but I will say this. In the state of Michigan, you can take your child to therapy on whatever your time is, unless it's specifically written in the uh, divorce decree and child custody decree that you have to have, you know, uh, agreement with them or something's written in there differently. In other words, you can do whatever medical needs you need to take care of on your time with or without your, your ex's consent. Because this is, question is usually wrapped up in the idea of, hey, what do I do? My ex-husband doesn't believe in mental health and my child needs help during COVID. Okay, that's a good question. And so in Michigan, you can do that. Now, here's the thing. At my office, for instance, and there, I know we're not the only one, we wouldn't actually see your child without your ex-husband's consent, but we're willing to call him and get it for you. You don't have to contact him. But here's the thing. Sometimes I hear this question of like, well, hey, my ex doesn't believe in mental health. And I often want to say, well, does your ex believe in gravity? Because if the answer is no, it doesn't matter. Gravity still exists. And for people who don't believe in, in mental health, the idea that someone doesn't believe in mental health in 2021 is insane to me. However, I know they exist. And so I realize that you're caught between... You know, what do you want to do to help your child and your ex won't allow you? You probably can do more than you think. If your child is 14, they can come without your ex's permission. They can come without your permission, at least in the state of Michigan. Now, look, I do want to, to preface all of this with, I skipped all the days of law school. I am not a lawyer. This is not legal advice. But in Michigan, the age of 14, a child can come in and they can be seen without their parents' consent. I forget how long. I think it's six months, and then we have to tell the parent. Uh, if one parent consents, they can come in, and the child can come in, and, and they have total HIPAA rights. Like we, like, we can't even talk about their session with their parent unless the kid agrees. Well, Joe, I think that's crazy. That's fine. Most of the people who say, well, I think that's crazy are not living in a situation where their ex-spouse doesn't believe in mental health. And I want you to know, I, I've gotten this question, honestly, since day one of this podcast, and we're coming up on three years. I don't really have a good answer. If I am, because my first thought is, well, just ignore them. Like, who cares if your ex doesn't believe in mental health? That's stupid. And that works for you. If you're an adult and you're, and you, you, and you have an ex that doesn't believe in mental health, it doesn't really matter for your care. You can go get care and you don't have to tell your ex. I wouldn't tell your ex. Your ex can just forget about learning about your mental health care. That's none of their business. And, and that works. Where it gets very difficult, and, and it seems to be the proverbial rock in a hard place that you're now trying to squeeze between, 
is my ex doesn't believe in mental health and my child needs care and an agency won't see him or her without parental consent from both parents because they don't want to get caught up in a lawsuit. And, and yeah, I, I, the best thing I can tell you is find an agency such as my own where we will reach out to the, the, the ex and we'll explain the situation, we'll answer the questions, and we will do our best to get that consent for you. We actually have a woman here who specializes in that. That's literally in her job description, and that's what she does. So, so that's the situation with kids. As you move into adults, what do you do with people who don't believe in mental health? I'd want to know more about what that means when you say they don't believe in mental health. Do they not believe in excusing poor behavior for mental health? Because I'd actually be on board with that. I think a lot of times we excuse poor behavior and we say it's because of mental health. Oh, well, I was mean to so-and-so because I'm anxious. No, you were being a jerk to so-and-so, which is being mean, and you're excusing it with your anxiety. You can't maybe control the anxiety. That's probably a different day and certainly a longer conversation. I could find 10 therapists and probably get you about eight opinions on that. But you can control your behavior. What terrifies me is I'm actually friends with some people who are going through some counseling schools right now, and, and they're being taught to stop teaching their clients that, that you can control your behaviors even when you're anxious. In, in fact, a woman I know, I did undergraduate with her many, many years ago. She's getting her master's in counseling out west, and she literally put up on Facebook, hey, I had this thought in class last night, was presented to me. And we need to stop telling people that they can control how they respond to trauma because they can't. That is hogwash and horse manure rolled into one and fried and and then put on a bun and given to you as a hamburger. But it's not. It's just that is awful, awful, awful advice. And so when we start talking about people don't believe in mental health, we have to define terms. I've talked about this in the past numerous times go through the episodes, defining terms is really important for good communication. Understanding what a person means when they say they don't believe in mental health is really important for good communication. And so you go through that because most people believe in some level of mental health. It starts to get run out. So there are people that are like, well, anxiety doesn't exist. Well, that's just as bad, in my opinion, as the people who say you don't have control over how you respond to anxiety. Like, like that's, that's silly. Anxiety doesn't exist. Well, you, you know, and we do have some hard questions we have to answer. Why does America have more ADHD cases than most of the rest of the world? Why do we have more anxiety than most of the rest of the world? Why do we have more people on mood suppressants and mood stabilizers than anyone else, any other countries? Why? Is it because, like, we can blame Trump for a little while, I suppose, and then the Republican friends can blame Biden for a little while, but is it really politics? Is that why? That is kind of a a question that I have that I don't really get. So when you encounter someone who doesn't believe in mental health, you can certainly try education. Educate them. Hey, here's what mental health means to me. Here's what I think is the benefit of, of getting mental health help. And so I have people tell me all the time, I don't believe in therapists. Oh, well, I'm here. I exist. Let me tell you about what I do. Let me tell you about what therapists do. Let me tell you about how therapists help people. Let me tell you about the power of being able to walk into a room or, or now a virtual session, 
for an hour a week and and have someone walk with you who helps you feel heard and valued and safe and how that can transform a person's life. There isn't magic in counseling, but there is value in having someone that you can talk to. And so some people have that. They don't need to go to therapy. They have somebody they can talk to. Now, counseling isn't just talking, right? Counselors, a good counselor will listen to what you say and grab the data points and present it back to you in a way that empowers you to be able to make choices. So you start with education. You give them as much information as you can. And then you just kind of have to wait for them to either come around or figure out how you move on without them coming around. With a child, again, I want to preface this. I want to put this on both ends of this little 10-minute rant. Uh, or, or response, I guess, depending on whatever term you want there. With a child, that does get a little bit more difficult, at least in this area where I live, because most agencies I know do not want to process with a, 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 a child that doesn't have both parental consent, unless the divorce decree says that the parent bringing them has total care. And there's a legal term there that we need to see in that divorce decree. Uh, now, it becomes difficult because you're caught. But if you move, if, if, if you're a person who wrote me and you're actually talking about like, hey, my ex or my friends, they think I'm crazy because I'm going to see a therapist. Uh, you need better friends. That, that's kind of my thought. Now, you can start by getting better friends. One of the things that's interesting to me is, is what's called presumptive interpretation. When I say to people, you need better friends, they presumptively interpret that to mean I'm saying they need to get rid of their current friends. No, that's not true at all. What I'm actually saying is you may want to educate your current friends so that they become better friends. You may want to educate your current friends on like, hey, just because I go to therapy, it doesn't mean this thing that you said. It doesn't mean that thing that you said. It actually means that, I'm, that I'm, I am self-aware enough to realize there are things that I need help on. There are things that I need to improve on. There are weaknesses that I need to own. There is trauma that happened in my life that has created processes and I need to I need to get help with those. That actually is bravery and courage. And if they catch that and they understand it and you elevate their understanding of therapy, you have made better friends. I always start there. Let's make better friends. Now if my friends can't get that eventually, yes, I may have to consider how to move out from them and I think you should be incredibly intentional about the friends you have. I believe that you should be uh, highly discriminatory in who you allow to speak into your life, especially when it comes to your mental health, how you make meaning in your life. These are two important things. And the more people that you allow to speak into your life that don't actually have a good place to be speaking from, the more danger you're in. And the more people that you allow to speak into your life that have a good place to be speaking from, the better you are mitigating the natural risk that exists for all of us. So when you're dealing with someone who, quote, doesn't believe in mental health, start with, what do you mean by that? And try to understand what they mean, even if it's your ex. And then educate them as best you can, even if it's your ex. And I know sometimes if you say the sky is blue because of the way things ended or because of the way things were before that person became your ex and you became their ex, if you said the sky was blue, they're going to be like, no, it's not. Okay, I get that but you got to try. And then you move on based on the results of what happened when you tried. You can't control the outcome, but you can respond to it in a way 
that is healthy. And that's what we control. Which brings us to a perhaps larger discussion that we need to have about what do we do when we're stuck with people who don't believe what we believe? Because this is really tearing, in my opinion, kind of at our interactions as a society. Uh, I have a friend who is very leery of the, uh, the current vaccines who works in the medical field. And he was telling me that he's very concerned about the, the vaccines. And he went through, he has a whole list of things that vaccines, pharmaceutical companies, and the government have done that were essentially experiments on people. Now, here's the thing. If you're listening to this, and as I'm talking about what he believes, you start to get mad or you want to talk back to your radio or to your, your whatever system it is that you're playing this through, that's actually what I'm talking about. How do we respond to people that hold beliefs that either we don't believe in or we think are ridiculous? Because the thing of it is, is what we're doing isn't working. What we're doing right now isn't working. And what I mean by that is currently how we're engaging ideas that are different is not working. And, you know, certainly people are like, well, it didn't work when the white people came to the continent. And oh, OK, great. I wasn't there. My, my relatives didn't come over until the late, uh, excuse me, until the early 1900s. They, they emigrated here from Italy in the early 1900s. So I wasn't there for that. So I can't address that. Um, and, and I would agree that that, you know shooting people isn't necessarily working. However, the conversations that we're currently having about politics, about closely held beliefs, about religion, isn't working. We're at once, because what we're doing is, is we're, we're labeling people as outliers. Well, they're extremists. And once they're extremists, we can dismiss them. Uh, I, I know a guy who said to his girlfriend, he just thinks government should be small. And she's like, well, that makes you a white ring, white, right-wing extremist. Are, are you a white supremacist? And he broke up with her. And, and he said to me, he's like, I dated her for two years. If I was a racist, don't you think that would have come out somewhere? And someone's going to be like, no, it wouldn't have. Well, maybe it would have if, if they dated for two years. And, and she just couldn't embrace the idea that they could disagree. She could like bigger government or she could ask him again. Notice the similarity here. What do you mean by smaller government? A couple years ago, I put up big government sucks and a friend of mine put... All human government sucks. Okay, then great. I'm glad to see you agree with me. We should limit the scope of government. I really believe that. We should limit the scope of government in people's lives because throughout the history of the world, that has gone poorly for people that, that are governed when the government gets too big. And, and you know, uh, conversations. I'm always amazed. I have friends who are, who are pro-big pharma but don't trust big organic. I have friends who are pro-big organic, but don't trust big pharma. Like, we're all messy. We're all broken. We all bring mess to the table. So we have to change how we communicate about our disagreements. I am anti-spanking. And that's been a journey for me. I started out pro-spanking. And then I was just like, okay, so that should really be a last resort. And then I was like, well, I'm not pro-spanking, but I'm not necessarily anti-spanking. I'm probably actually anti-spanking now. I don't think my, in fact, I can say this for sure. My son's never been spanked. He's eight. And I'm sure somebody's like, well, just wait till he becomes an adult and he's wanted in 16 states. Okay, maybe that'll happen. But the truth is kids who are getting spanked were wanted in 16 states too. And we need to embrace that discussion. Because here's what's happening. We're not having conversations. We're having one-way statements and then people walk away. 
So if you're pro-spanking and I'm anti-spanking, once that's said, there's no more point in having a conversation because somebody's feelings are going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get angry. And what's happened is we've stopped talking about things we disagree about. We just withdraw and then we talk about the person that we disagree with. We don't talk to them about what we disagree with. And this becomes a problem. So forget the X situation for a minute. If you know someone's like, well, I don't believe in mental health and you do, that's a great time to have a conversation. Tell me what you mean by you don't believe in mental health. Tell me what you mean by uh, you don't believe in this or tell me what you do mean by what you believe in this. What would this look like if, if it went the way you wanted it to? So I ask people questions all the time. It's, okay, so look, so if this, whatever side of the political aisle you're on, if it went this way, what would it look like? When people who want to have a real conversation, I just had one a couple weeks ago with somebody who was like, hey, I think yelling and spanking my kid is good. Okay, cool. Let's talk about that. And we did. And we had a fun conversation. And I told him this, and he just told me yesterday, he's like, I would have never thought of that if I hadn't heard it. He said to me, or I said to him, I want to raise children that make decisions based on moral reasoning, not on consequences, which is reflective thinking. So I want, I, yes, you're going to have to have interventions. You're going to have to have consequences. I just told one of my children last night that if this thing doesn't happen, I'm going to take this privilege from you uh, for a day. And then if the thing isn't done, I'm going to take another privilege, keep the first privilege for an indefinite amount of time. But I don't want the consequences to be so severe that they're making decisions based purely on the consequences. That's a good short-term intervention. In my opinion, it's not a good long-term intervention. And so I want to have conversations with people about that. I want people to tie their actions to their principles, to their values. Because sometimes you have to be the voice for your values in your own head. Right? So one of the things, just yesterday I had a conversation with someone and I said to him, I said, hey, I want, yeah, I want to ask you a question. This behavior that you're describing to me, does it match your values? Does it match the values you have that you say you have that you want to have? No, it doesn't. Okay, awesome. What would behaviors look like that match those values? How could you match your values to your actions and your actions to your values? That's a conversation. Now, I do not have, I was just on somebody, I don't have a lot of conversations on Facebook or social media for that matter. There's too much of a chance for uh, miscommunication. But I'll have conversations with people I disagree with in person all the time. And I love it. And, and sometimes people get excited and I'm okay with it. Sometimes I get excited and people are okay with it. Sometimes people get excited and no one's okay with it. But, but I'm okay with it because this idea of withdrawing from a conversation where I disagree with someone has led to a society that can't talk to each other. I've watched people run away from conversations about sports, which are inane. They don't mean anything. Professional sports don't teach us a whole lot about anything. Oh, Joe, I don't agree with that. Awesome. Let's talk about it. Because here's, here's the, the walk away that I want you to have today. While I want you to be intentional about your friends, part of being intentional is having friends that you don't agree with. Part of being intentional is being able to have conversations with friends that you're like, eh, I'm pretty sure that we disagree on this and being able to have the conversation and still be friends when you're done. Even if you passionately disagree. It's okay. Because here's the thing, if you can't disagree, you can never really be a true friend because a true friend calls us to be better. There's a great paradox in real love. And the paradox is, I love you right where you're at and I want you to be better. 
But if we can't engage conversations where we disagree, you could never say to someone, I want you to be better. You could never say to someone, hey, I, I think I get what you're feeling. Is, is this what you're feeling? And when they confirm and say, have you ever considered that feelings are more like a alarm than they are a directional manual? In other words, feelings indicate that something's going on inside of us that doesn't mean that they are accurate. That's a hard conversation to have if you're not allowed to disagree with people. That's a very difficult situation to have even if you are allowed to disagree with people. And so one of the things that I'd like to take this question of, hey, what do I do with people who don't believe in mental health? And I'd like to expand a little bit. You have to, we have to find a way to have conversations with people that we disagree with. Where, where I believe in mental health and you don't, we have to find a way to have that conversation without insulting each other without screaming at each other, without punching walls, without doing a lot of the silly things that we do to not regulate our emotions. We have to have those conversations because those conversations bring health to us as a, as, as a pair. They bring health to us as individuals, and over time they bring health to society. And, and I want to use an illustration of a real-life event to talk about this. Let's talk about forgiveness. What does forgiveness mean? That's a whole episode and we're 20 minutes in, so we're not going to talk about that today. But we need to talk about how we forgive as a society. Michael Vick, I've talked about him before. He did awful things with dogs. He went to jail. He served his time. He came back and people protested him getting a job in the NFL. What do you want? Do you want him to not work? And somebody actually had the, the intellectual honesty to say to me, no, I just want him to work a minimum wage job. Why? Because of the awful thing he did. Yeah, but he, 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 he paid his debt. He did his time. He said he was sorry. Well, I don't believe him. Oh, I didn't know that you were able to read motives, that you were able to read inside a person. You should become a professional poker player. That would be a wonderful skill to have as a professional poker player. You'd probably make millions of dollars. Or recently there was a college sophomore kicked out of school for a tweet that she made when she was 15. Is that really the society we want to live in? Look, she said, look, I'm not that person anymore. I'm sorry. It was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. Well, but you should have realized that when you were 15. Holy cow. How many things do people do when they're 15 that do not represent who they are as an adult? That do not represent who they are three years later, six months later. We have to be able to live in uncomfortable places because forgiveness happens in uncomfortable places. Healthy conversations happen in, in uncomfortable places, but so does forgiveness. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a little, I, I'm, I'm guilty of this too. Uh, recently, well, not recently, I got to do the math. 14 months ago, it came out that a guy who was a comedian was kind of like being inappropriate with females that were, um, were following him, or, you know, like following him like professionally. And he, they would reach out to him and he would reach back to them and he was inappropriate with them. And he just disappeared. Turns out he went to some sort of like uh, residential program for people who struggle with sex addiction. Came back out and just started dropping comedy videos again, making fun of a certain subset of culture that he's from. And I was like, what a jerk. He's making fun of other people when he went and did this. And then I was, I was thinking, well, but wait. He said he was sorry. He apologized. He made a video. And, and the immediate pushback is, well, maybe it isn't heartfelt. Maybe it isn't. But again, now we're back to principles. What principles do you want to live by? And one of the principles that I want to live by, one of the values that I want to live by is that I make generous assumptions of people. That in the face of contradictory evidence, 
I take them at their word. Or in the absence of contradictory evidence, sorry. In the absence of contradictory evidence, I take them at their word. Well, that's really hard because who wants a mistake from when they were 15 or 18 or 23 or two years ago? Do you really want your mistakes to define your life? The answer is always no. Then why do we force other people to define their lives by the mistakes that they've made? I think it's rooted in the same reason that we don't have difficult conversations because we want things to be smooth. We want things to be easily understood and we don't engage in uncomfortableness. We want comfort above all else. That's why, like a lot of conversations I have, one of the things that that I am, my wife and I are banging the drum on is we have to talk about COVID-19 and the effects of the response to COVID-19. What is going on with the lockdowns? What is happening to people's mental health who haven't been out in a year? I don't know about where you live, but where I started, our governor went on TV, looked us in the eye, and said, we're locking down everything for two weeks to flatten the curve. She went on TV last December, no, that's not true, last October, and said that we hadn't had a stay-at-home order since early spring. While that is technically true, it is difficult for me to find it honest. And so now I've got to wrestle with a conversation in my own head. And so I do that by thinking things through. And invariably, when I have the conversation with people, well, she has a really hard job to do. I agree. I'm not sure that she was being completely honest with us in April. Well, how do you know? You know what? I don't know. And so I'm living in the tension of I want to make generous assumptions of her. In the absence of contradictory information, I want to believe her. And I feel like there could be some contradictory information. And then people stop talking to me. Well... Okay, I, like I'm not saying, I'm not trying to run her over with a car or anything crazy like that. And there have been people that have talked like that and they've done stupid things. There was a whole plot to kidnap her, which was just silly. Silly is the wrong word. It was wrong. And at the same time, why can't we have a discussion about our political leaders? Uh, one of my clients got in trouble at work because he said that... Former President Trump didn't get us into any wars. And someone disagreed with him. And he said, well, tell me which one. And the person got up and went and complained to HR. And at first I thought, okay, this sounds a little strange. But the, uh, the, uh, the little thing he got from HR, you know, documenting his disciplinary action, it, that's what it said. Like when I read it, I was like, whoa, that's, wow. I, You know, I mean, I guess they have a zero policy about politics at work. But do we really want to live in a society where we can't talk about politics, where that person can't say, I disagree with you. Here's the war that President Trump, former President Trump took us into. Or here's what he did that I feel was was warlike. Do we really want to live in a society where when we disagree with someone, we just call them names? I saw a post yesterday on Facebook where somebody said, Orange woman is bad. And I didn't even know who she was. It turns out I think she's the spokesperson for uh, President Trump. She's his press secretary. And, and I, I gathered that from the comments that I read. So it could be wrong. It's certainly an interpretation on my part. I don't know who she is. But those same people were mad when former President Trump was called orange. It's just we've got to have a better way to disagree. And so we start out with tell me more. Then we educate the person on our side. We can disagree. It's okay. You can think masks are the greatest thing in the world and someone else can think, no, they're not. 
You can think they're the worst thing in the world, and someone else can think they're the, ba- the best thing in the world. You can completely trust the vaccine, and another person can completely distrust it, and neither one of those positions makes you a horrible person. And that's the thing that keeps blowing up. I just keep hearing, I heard it in sessions yesterday, well, they're just a horrible person because... And, and the thing that followed wasn't like they were hurting someone. It was that they just have a different belief than me. That terrifies me. It does. There are people that I think are completely wrong, and they do it in the name of Jesus. They are way, way, way to the right of me. There are bad leaders everywhere. There are good leaders everywhere. There are people who will be good leaders in a short order who are bad leaders today. There are good leaders today who will probably be a bad leader in short order. There are good people who are doing things that you're like, whoa, what are you doing? Because they're growing. They're handling their own pain. They're moving. And we've got to step back from every disagreement is somehow proof that they're a horrible person. We have to step back from that. Now, there are people out there that are bad. There are people who are abusing children who should not be allowed around children. There are people who are abusing their spouse who should not be around their spouse. In fact, there are people who unfortunately should lose their freedoms for for a little while, some people forever. But, But let's not talk about the extremes. Let's come back to the center here a little bit and talk about things like there are good people who support President Biden and there are good people who support former President Trump. And until we can actually have a conversation that starts with, yeah, I agree with that. We're going to get more of what we're getting in society. There are good people who don't believe in mental health, maybe because they had a bad experience. Maybe because they were abused at the hands of someone who said, well, it's just my whatever. I don't like personality tests. I've talked about this before. One day I'm just going to do a whole thing. on. I, I just hate it. The personality test when somebody says, well, I do that because I'm whatever the, the, the personality test flavor of the day is. It always kind of cracks me up. So there's like 8 billion people in the world, and we're going to divide everybody up into, into nine groups or five groups or four groups. Whoa, that's, that's impressive. There are good people who disagree with me and love those things, and we can have conversations about that. If you want to make society better, engage, engage in more conversations about things you disagree with in a healthy way. So you can do that by asking for more information and then sharing your information. Try not to go counterpoint, counterpoint. Try to go, hey, tell me what's going on. What do you mean by this? What do you believe about this? And and then spend some time there mirroring that, actively listening to that, finding out what they're talking about, and then move further down the path to, hey, well, here's what I believe. And understand that, hey, we can agree on 80% of things and disagree on 20 and still be okay. We could probably agree on 50% of the things and disagree on 50% of the things and still be okay. It all depends on how we set up our relationship. It all depends on how we move our lives forward. Instead of just walking away and talking about the person you disagree with, talk to the person you disagree with about the things you disagree on. And I bet you'll find things that you do agree on. All right, that's it for today. I actually was afraid this one was going to go a little short and it looks like we're going to go a little long. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.